0: Book One, Chapter Three of *The Mermaid*. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. *The Mermaid* by Lily Dougal. Chapter Three. Lost in the Sea. There was no moon that night. When the darkness began to gather swiftly, Caius swung his basket of fish and his tackle over his shoulder and tramped homeward. His preference was to go round by the road and avoid the day farm. Then he thought it might be his duty to go that way, because it might chance that the woman needed protection as he passed. It is much easier to give such protection in intention than in deed. But, as it happened, the deed was not required. The farmstead was perfectly still as he went by it again. He went on half a mile, passing only such friendly persons as it was natural he should meet on the public road they were few caius walked listening to the sea lapping below the low cliff near which the road ran and watching the bats that often circled in the dark blue dusk overhead thus going on he gradually recognized a little group walking in front of him it was the woman mrs day and her three children holding a child by either hand she tramped steadily forward Something in the way she walked, in the way the children walked, a dull mechanical action in their steps, perplexed Caius. He stepped up beside them with a word of neighborly greeting. The woman did not answer for some moments. When she did, although her words were ordinary, her voice seemed to Caius to come from out some far distance whither her mind had wandered. "'Going to call on someone, I suppose, Mrs. Day?' said he, inwardly anxious. "'Yes.' she replied we're going to see a friend the children and me again it seemed that there was some long distance between her and the young man who heard her come along and see my mother he urged with solicitude she always has a prime welcome for visitors mother has the words were hearty but they excited no heartiness of response we've another place to go to tonight she said there will be a welcome for us i reckon She would neither speak to him any more, nor keep up with his pace upon the road. He slackened speed, but she still shrank back, walking slower. He found himself getting in advance, so he left her. A hundred yards more he went on, and looked back to see her climbing the log fence into the strip of Common beside the sea. His deliberation of mind was instantly gone. Something was wrong now. HE CAST HIMSELF OVER THE LOW LOG FENCE JUST WHERE HE WAS, AND HASTENED BACK ALONG THE EDGE OF THE CLIFF, IMPELLED BY UNFORMULATED FEAR. IT WAS DARK, THE DARK GREYNESS OF A MOONLESS NIGHT. THE CLIFF HERE WAS NOT MORE THAN TWENTY FEET ABOVE THE HIGH TIDE, WHICH SURGED AND SWEPT DEEP AT ITS BASE. THE GRASS UPON THE TOP WAS SHORT. YOUNG fir trees STOOD HERE AND THERE. ALL THIS Caius SAW. THE WOMAN HE COULD NOT SEE AT FIRST. Then, in a minute, he did see her. Standing on the edge of the bank, her form outlined against what light there was in sea and sky. He saw her swing something from her. The thing she threw, whatever it was, was hurled outwards and then fell into the sea. With a splash it sank. The young man's mind stood still with horror. The knowledge came to him as he heard the splash that it was the little child she had flung away. He threw off his basket and coat. Another moment, and he would have jumped from the bank. But before he had jumped, he heard the elder girl groaning as if in desperate fear, and saw that mother and daughter were grappled together, their figures swaying backwards and forwards in convulsive struggle. He did not doubt that the mother was trying to drown this child also. Another low, wild groan from the girl, and Caius flung himself upon them both. His strength released the girl, who drew away a few paces, but the woman struggled terribly to get to her again. "'Both the girl and little boy stood stupidly within reach. "'Run, run, to the road, and call for help,' gasped Caius to the children, "'but they only stood still. "'He was himself shouting with all his strength "'and holding the desperate woman upon the ground where he had thrown her, "'where he thought he saw a little heap of light clothes "'rise and sink again further off. "'Run with your brother out of the way, so that I can leave her,' he called to the girl." He tried with a frantic gesture to frighten them into getting out of the mother's reach. He continued to shout for aid as he held down the woman, who, with the strength of insanity, was struggling to get hold of the children. A man's voice gave answering shout. Caius saw someone climbing the fence. He left the woman and jumped into the sea. Down under the cold black water he groped about. He was not an expert swimmer and diver. He had never been underwater so long before, but so strong had been his impulse to reach the child that he went a good way on the bottom in the direction in which he had thought he saw the little body floating. Then he knew that he came up empty-handed and was swimming on the dark surface, hearing confused cries and imprecations from the shore. He wanted to dive and seek again for the child below, but he did not know how to do this without a place to leap from. He let himself sink, but he was out of breath, He gasped and inhaled the water, and then, for dear life's sake, he swam to keep his head above it. The water had cooled his excitement. A feeling of utter helplessness and misery came over him. So strong was his pity for the little sad-eyed child that he was almost willing to die in seeking her. But all hope of finding was forsaking him. He still swam in the direction in which he thought the child drifted as she rose and sank. It did not occur to him to be surprised that she had drifted so far until he realized that he was out of hearing of the sounds from the shore. His own swimming, he well knew, could never have taken him so far and fast. There was a little sandy island lying about three hundred yards out, at first he hoped to strike the shallows near it quickly but found that the current of the now receding tide was racing down the channel between the island and the shore out to the open sea that little body was no doubt being sucked outward in this rush of water out to the wide water where he could not find her he told himself this when he found at what a pace he was going and knew that his best chance of ever returning was to swim back again so he gave up seeking the little girl and turned and swam as best he could against the current and recognized slowly that he was making no headway but by using all his strength could only hold his present place abreast of the outer point of the island and a good way from it the water was bitterly cold it chilled him he was far too much occupied in fighting the current to think properly but certain flashes of intelligence came across his mind concerning the death he might be going to die His first clear thoughts were about a black object that was coming near on the surface of the water. Then a shout reached him, and a stronger swimmer than he pulled him to the island. Now, in the devil's name, Caius Simpson! The deliverer was the man who had come over the fence, and he shook himself as he spoke. His words were an interrogation relating to all that had passed. He was a young man, about the same age as Caius. The latter knew him well. The child, Jim, shivered Caius hoarsely. She threw it into the water. In there? asked Jim, pointing to the flowing darkness from which they had just scrambled. He shook his head as he spoke. There's a sort of a set the water's got round this here place. He shook his head again. He sat half-dressed on the edge of the grass, peering into the tide, a dark figure surrounded by darkness. It seemed to Caius even then, just pulled out as he was from a sea too strong for him, that there was something horribly bad and common in that they too sat there taking breath and did not plunge again into the water to try, at least, to find the body of the child who a few minutes before had lived and breathed so sweetly. Yet they did not move. "'Did someone else come to hold her?' Caius asked in this hasty whisper. They both spoke as if there was some need for haste. "'Noah, I tied her round with your fish cord.' If you'd have done that, you might a got the baby the same way I got you. The heart of Caius sank. If only he had done this. Jim Hogan was not a companion for whom he had any respect. He looked upon him as a person of low taste and doubtful morals. But in this, Jim had shown himself superior. I guess we'd better go and look after them, said Jim. He waded in a few paces. Come along, he said. As they waded round to the inner side of the island, Caius slowly took off some of his wet clothes and tied them round his neck. Then they swam back across the channel at its narrowest. While the water was rushing past their faces, Caius was conscious of nothing but the animal desire to be on the dry, warm shore again. But when they touched the bottom and climbed the bank once more to the place where he had seen the child cast away, he forgot all his fight with the sea and thought only with horror of the murder done or was there yet hope that by a miracle the child might be found somewhere alive it is hope always that causes panic caius was panic-stricken the woman lay bound hand and foot upon the grass if i couldn't a tied her said jim patronizingly i'd a quietened her by a knock on the head and gone after the youngin if i'd been you the other children had wandered away they were not to be seen Jim knelt down in a business-like way to untie the woman, who seemed now to be as much stunned by circumstances as if she had been knocked as just suggested. A minute more, and Caius found himself running like one mad in the direction of home. He cared nothing about the mother or the elder children, or about his own half-dressed condition. The one thought that excited him was a hope that the sea might have somewhere cast the child on the shore before she was quite dead. Running like a savage under the budding trees of the wood, and across his father's fields, he leaped out of the darkness into the heat and brightness of his mother's kitchen. Gay rugs lay on the yellow-painted floor. The stove glistened with polish at its every corner. The lamp shone brightly, and in its light Caius stood breathless, wet, half-naked. The picture of his father looking up from the newspaper, of his mother standing before him in alarmed surprise, seemed photographed in pain upon his brain for minutes before he could find utterance the smell of an abundant supper his mother had set out for him choked him when he had at last spoken told of the blow farmer day had struck of his wife's deed and commanded that all the men that could be collected should turn out to seek for the child he was astonished at finding sobs in the tones of his words he became oblivious for the moment of his parents AND LEANED HIS FACE AGAINST THE WOODEN WALL OF THE ROOM IN A convulsion OF NERVOUS FEELING THAT WAS WEEPING WITHOUT TEARS. IT DID NOT IN THE LEAST SURPRISE HIS PARENTS THAT HE SHOULD CRY. HE WAS ONLY A CHILD IN THEIR EYES. WHILE THE FATHER BESTIRRED HIMSELF TO GET A CART AND LANTERNS AND MEN, THE MOTHER SOOTHED HER SON, OR RATHER, SHE ADDRESSED TO HIM SUCH KINDLY ATTENTIONS AS SHE SUPPOSED WERE SOothing TO HIM. SHE DID NOT KNOW THAT HER ATTENTION TO HIS PHYSICAL COMFORT hardly entered his consciousness. Caius went out again that night with those who went to examine the spot and test the current and search the dark shores. He went again with a party of neighbors to the same place in the first faint pink flush of dawn to seek up and down the sands and rocks left bare by the tide. They did not find the body of the child. End of chapter 3